What up, what it do, and what's happening, people? What a special day it is. Another hot one here in Southern California. We're sitting at about 91 degrees here in Anaheim Hills. Now, I'm sure that wherever you are, you are probably enjoying the weather because you made the choice to live there. Not my fault. I am so excited about today's show as we will be talking about some issues that will help people think about changing their own lives and or more importantly, help change someone else's life. If you don't know yet, you are tuned in to another exciting episode of Talk to Talk with Mo Orr. We have so much to talk about today and so many topics to cover. So before we get started, this will be the perfect time to tell everyone that is not watching or listening to go watch my show and listen to my damn podcast. You heard me. Look, we have a great one lined up for you today and some awesome guests waiting in the wings and anxious about getting started. But first, this podcast is brought to you by The Jerky Zone. When you're looking for that high protein pack snack to get you back on track, the next stop is The Jerky Zone. And Intro Wheels, where custom rims make your classic cars come to life. And lastly, Advantage Capital Management, where the plus in the logo signifies above and beyond commitment to adding value to investments by providing A-plus impact to the world we touch. You could also go view this podcast on our app, www.thsn.today. Download the app. It's free. All right, let's get to it. Look, today's topic is uh, I said changing my narrative and a new direction and purpose. Those are some of the things that we're going to talk about today. Look, my first guest was here before. He is the program director of the uh, for 417 Recovery um, for Adolescent Outpatient Treatment Center located in Mission Viejo, California, um, Scott Callen. Also, we have the program director of 417 Recovery Center and uh Whew. I want to say, I don't know if you know, heaven, hell, purgatory. I don't know. It's pretty hot there in Palm, De- uh, Palm Desert, California. Uh, Stevie Kuhn. And finally, we have Kiani um, from Orange County, the Orange County Center. Please welcome my friends to Talk to Talk. Thank you guys for coming to the show. How you guys doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having good. me. Look, before we got on the air, I know that we kind of talked about some weather stuff. Look, I know it's 91 degrees here, and I was going to ask Stevie, what is the temperature in Palm Desert right now? I believe the current temp is about 104. See, actually, that's not really that bad, you know, when you look at it in perspective. I was in Palm Desert probably close to a year ago, same time, and it was 125. And then, of course, I'm watching the news, and they say, it is the hottest day that we've ever had this year. I'm like, of course, when I'm out here <laughs> and the pool, yeah, you jump in the pool, dry off in the pool. That's just how, <laughs> that's how hot it is. How you doing over there, Scott? I'm great. I'm just enjoying uh, the air conditioning of my house and I'm going to stay inside. 
That's smart. Pretty smart of you. Uh, how's the dog? Do you have the dog running around today for this episode? You gonna he gonna make an appearance or what? No, no, no. I'm I'm secluded today, so no interruptions. Up, <laughs> oh, Kiani. How are you today? I'm doing good. Um, we might have an interruption from my dog, like Scott's, but okay. hopefully not. What kind of dog do you have? I have a mini Australian Shepherd. Mini Australian Shepherd. I have a, I have a small one. It's a Chihuahua and um, Chow mix. So it's a pretty, or is it a Pomeranian? I think my son just said it's a Pomeranian. <laughs> it's a child, and he's he's five. A Chow and Pomeranian, uh, Chihuahua and Pomeranian mix. So, and his name is Raider. If that doesn't tell you that I'm a Raider fan, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that was a way to get me to keep the dog. Kiana, you have a very nice background right there. Is, oh, thank that, you. is that actually your background or is that yeah. something that's superimposed? You know what I mean? Yeah, my mom made this wall. That's awesome. Wow. Wow. That's a, actually an entire wall. Yeah. That's pretty good. Looks good. Tell your mom a nice job on that. I will tell her. Yeah, I appreciate that. All right, so. Let me first say that we have partnered up with uh, 417 Recovery with the hopes of reaching adolescents and teens all over the world, right? To be able to help them and their families with everything from uh, addiction recovery, anxiety, depression. Am I missing anything, Stevie or Scott? No, that's about it. No. All right. So I I know we just had you guys on the show um, with Maggie not too long ago. Um, So... Let's kind of recap and, and kind of tell our viewers and listeners about 417 Recovery and, and what you guys do and, and all that good stuff. Stevie? Go ahead, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> um, so basically, we're an outpatient adolescent center um, that deals with the adolescent on an individual basis as well as the family. Um, and our clients struggle with mental health issues, like you said, depression, anxiety, um, OCD, PTSD, um, as well as substance abuse. And that's awesome. I saw that you guys have a a family program, uh, multi-family groups, um, the parent education and uh, individual family therapy. So some stuff that kind of resonated with me when I was kind of looking at that is that a family was in all of that like all three of those and all four of those and then it talked about parent education um, and I feel like the, the parent education part is really really important so um, what goes into what's what's kind of the ingredients and the recipe to getting the, the parents and the families involved when it comes to dealing with a team absolutely getting, getting the well, parents involved and part of the program and is their kids are going to have success along with them and really like it's a family network and a family system and we work with everybody in it that's awesome that's awesome so uh kiani how are you today we kind of said hi before but you know now i'm going to kind of chat with you and kind of uh see what you can do to help some of our our kids out there um so we can kind of talk about your story a little bit um so are you are you in orange county area as well is that where you the program that you were going through. Awesome. Yes. So how did you get uh, introduced to um, 417? Um, well, my best friend in 2017 passed away. 
So I just wanted a therapist, like someone to talk to. And so my dad had found out about um, 417. So it wasn't, I didn't start in the program yet. Like three weeks later I did, but that's a different story. I'll explain after. Okay. But um, so I just needed a therapist. So I wanted a girl therapist and my mom saw on the website or something that there was Tiffany. So I was like, okay, that's fine, whatever. So I started going to therapy just because I didn't know how else to like really, I was into, I was doing drugs at this time also, but like my parents didn't know. So um, I never brought that up to Tiffany though, because I didn't want her to tell my parents. But yeah, so that's pretty much how I got introduced to 417. So, you know, for for adults, we seek therapy, just so you know, right? Because, um, you know, dealing with our children and work and <laughs> life and all that stuff, right? But for teens, sometimes where therapy is, they take it as negative. So was it you that reached out to your parents and said, hey, I think I need to talk to somebody or was it them that said this might be a good idea for you? Um, well, it was kind of both because I couldn't talk to my parents about it because I just wasn't close with, I could have, but I wasn't close with them. So I didn't really feel comfortable. And so I was talking to my mom and I was like, what's a way, like, who can I talk to? And she was like, well, a therapist. So I was like, okay, like we can try it out. But if I don't like it, I don't want to continue doing it. That's actually, that's pretty good that you even gave her a sense of, you know, I wanted to talk to somebody because that, that, that takes a lot. And, you know, one thing you just said is, is that you didn't feel, you didn't feel that closeness uh, with your parents. Is it, um, would you say that has a lot to do with the child um, parent? Because there's, there are some parents who are, you know, they're, they're, they're like best friends with their kids, right? Yeah. But then you have to have a, a, a fine line to be able to also be that um, authoritarian or whatnot. Um, so where do you think you kind of figured, okay, I really can't talk to them? Because I'm pretty sure they didn't say to you, hey, let me tell you something, you got a problem. You cannot come and talk to us about it, right? So yeah. in your mind, where do you think that kind of came from? Um. Well, me and my dad, me and my mom were somewhat close but I just didn't feel comfortable like telling her all my feelings or what I'm going through because first of all I didn't want to get in trouble right and second I just didn't really I feel like me doing drugs kind of like separated me from everyone like I didn't really feel comfortable talking to anyone because I didn't think anyone would understand. Hmm. Is that because of course that's you thinking in your head that they wouldn't understand. Most of the time, uh, sometimes I don't think kids realize that parents probably went through it first and has dealt with a situation like that. Um, And you know, one of the first things you said is, is I didn't want to get in trouble. Do you think that was more of the, the reason why, um, 
you yourself didn't want to go to them is because the fear of getting in trouble and then now then digging deeper to find out exactly what you feel like you might get in trouble for yeah it was definitely first me not wanting to get in trouble um scott so when were you when were you introduced to um kiani um well like she said she was coming in to what we call op just therapy it's not part of the you know it's outside of the program um and she'd come in and obviously she had a very bubbly personality smiled was super happy and and from what i was told she was coming in for didn't really match to what i saw um and so we can kind of tell that there was a lot more under the surface that she wasn't showing um and like she said she met with tiffany and, and tiffany really um had a big concern about how she was feeling and what she was putting out there and that not everybody was getting a clear picture of what was going on with Kiani. And so I think shortly after, um, Kiani, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't, for some reason you had a drug test. Yeah, so <laughs> um, me and my best friend, this is stupid, but we had this pact where like, if one of us dies, then the other one has to die too because we can't live without each other. So um, he died unexpectedly and it didn't have to do with drugs or anything. But then on Jan, he died December 26th. And then on January 13th, I just decided like, okay, well, what am I here for on earth? Like there's nothing for me. So I overdosed. And then I ended up being put in 417. Oh, see, so Scott, thank you for the segue because I was actually going to ask when did you feel uh, and how did that transformation happen to where you felt comfortable now telling them about the, the drug part? So um, I don't know if you ever, if you've ever, uh, Keanu watched Romeo and Juliet, you know, no. right? These, these uh, strange lovers. And I know you said best friend and you know, all that. Um, it's interesting that your conversation with your best friend talked about a pact of um, us doing this together. Right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately, and I'm and, and so sorry to hear about your friend, you know, did, you. at what point did you, after that overdose, feel like, okay, I need to make a change um, for myself? Um, well, I got put into 417 and I hated it at first. I did not want to be there and I don't know, I just felt like I kept telling my parents like, I can do this myself, I don't need help, which is wrong. But I feel like maybe it was like a month three weeks to a month of being in there that I was like, okay, I really can't do this on my own and I do need help. That's awesome. Did you, did you, you said you, you OD'd, was that done on purpose? Now that you look back on it and had a chance to reflect, is it something that you felt like you did on purpose or was it just the usage that you were doing to whereas you didn't understand how your body would react to it? Um, it was on purpose because 
the pact that we had, I was like, okay, well, it's time to go. So yeah. now you look back on it and what is, and this is now, how long, how long, how long have you been in the program over at 417? Um, I was in there for six months. Six months. And at what point do you, did you realize that for me, I'm worth it. You know, I, I want to change. Um, you know, it's, it's bigger than just me. Uh, all these people are here to help me and, and love me. At what point did you, did you start to realize that? Um, probably when I realized, like after a month, when I also realized that like, um, I need to make a change. It was probably around the same time because I don't know, I just, after I realized I needed to change, it was mostly because like, I wasn't doing the right things. I was doing drugs and I was, I had a really bad attitude towards like everyone there. And I realized like, they're not trying to piss me off. They're trying to help me. You know, they want me to get better. Yeah. So, so were you the influencer or were you being influenced? That's cause that's a, that's a big thing in, in, in schools. Uh, uh, and I know I bring it up all the time when I talk about uh, 13 reasons why, and yes, Stevie, I have started euphoria, just so you know. <laughs> I've started euphoria. So good. I, I was like, I'm gonna wait till, four, till, till this ends, and I couldn't wait. I, you I, can't, I, do I, can't do it. Can't do it. Um, so did you consider yourself the influencer, or could you be influenced by peer pressure? Um, I was definitely influenced. Um, yeah, by my best friend. By your best friend. So was it was was that the person that you were with all the time, and you know you guys yeah. group of, of people that you um, hung out with or whatnot? Yeah, it was always me and him, and then we would hang out like with another group too. So, so what are some of the challenges that you are facing um, right now for yourself um, after being in the program six months? Um, well, now I'm two years sober. Congratulations. But, thank you. Yeah. But I still get, like, really anxious. And I think that's my biggest challenge. I don't feel, like, depressed. I mean, everyone has days where they're, like, sad. But to get through that, I think that I just... Journaling helps a lot. It might sound dumb, but, like, to write down how you're feeling, that helps me a lot. Like if I, cause I don't have like a ton of friends and I'm fine with it because I rather have a little bit of friends than like real friends than more fake friends. But if you feel like you don't have anyone to talk to during this time or just in general, I think journaling um, helps a lot. That's awesome. So do you go back, do you ever go back and look at your journal and then reflect on something that you said? Yes, all the time. That's that's actually a really, really good thing to do. I don't know if, if Scott and, and Steve and them teach that, but um, I, I, I do, I journal. You know, I sit, yeah. write down my thoughts. Some of them turn into jokes, you know, because that's just what yeah. I do. Um, but then a lot of times I'm able to sit back and look at the growth that I've made. Yeah. The time that you wrote that, right? Yeah. That's the best part. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So, how was the uh, how is everything um, going with the quarantine? Um, because I know that's a little difficult too um, now, and not having yeah. 
people as accessible to, to talk to? Um, it's going okay. I've just been painting a lot and paint by numbers. Those are really, those are fun. It takes a lot of time, so it keeps you busy. What, what is paint by numbers? Um, so, how do I explain it? It's like a canvas. They give you a canvas and the painting is like sketched out and then they give you paints with numbers on it and there's numbers on the canvas. So you just, oh, that is, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, they're really fun actually. Um, so another question. So when you said you were doing drugs, so um, how are they accessible to you? You know, like, even in high school, you know, how were they accessible and, and all that? Kind of talk to us, talk to us about that. Um, like, how did I get them? Yeah. Well, I didn't have a job at the time, so... That makes it even a little harder, you know what I mean? Yeah, and this sounds <laughs> horrible, and I regret it, but my dad had this drawer where he would keep his money in, so I would just take money from the drawer and then people at school would sell it or people on their Snapchats would like post other people who were selling it. So I would just like add those people on Snapchat and then be like, hey, what do you have? How much is it? And then that's how I would get it. It's crazy. School and Snapchat. That's very, very interesting. Um, Scott, you see a different person, I'm sure, sitting here with us today than you did um i know the first time she came in it was it was strictly for um what she called uh, the therapy aspect of it um talk about the difference now from what you've seen in the beginning that middle stage because there there is a middle stage in this because oh, then yeah. there, there came the drugs right and yeah then what you're looking at today yeah and i think one thing we should go back and clarify kiani you were with us for six months but that was what almost two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So she's she's been alumni for a year and a half. Awesome. Um, and she honestly comes in about twice a month uh, to our Friday alumni group and helps like so the new kids can see and she can give feedback and um, she's been like a great resource for us in that way. Um, so obviously I always thank her for that. But I think one of the biggest changes uh, we saw was when we first met Keani, what you would get was she was always happy, everything was perfect, and nothing was wrong. Um, and then we went through the stage of where she actually opened up and got honest, and she had good days and bad days, and she talked about like the issues that she had, and maybe her relationship with her dad at one point was kind of on the rocks and now the person we see today is is that bubbly person that is close to her family and is a role model for her younger sister and always willing to help and be a part of things and want to organize things and so i think it's she's come full circle that's awesome um how does it I don't know. I don't know how often you get to, to talk to Scott, um, Kiani, but how does it feel for you to be able to hear, you know, his thoughts on where you were and, you know, the things that you were going through and, and now hearing them kind of talk about um, you today? 
Um, it makes me feel really good about myself because my parents like compliment me about like my growth, but like not like that, you know, like the difference. They don't yeah. tell me the difference that has happened. So um, for you, do you do you kind of understand from a, a parent's perspective um, on because they, they, they're going through it with you, you know, and um, trying to figure out ways to kind of understand and help you. I can I could probably tell you that they have had many a night sitting up late trying to figure out what they could do as your parents um, yeah. to make you feel like you're not being attacked. Um, at, at what point did you kind of realize and, and get that acceptance um, to what they were trying to do for you? Um... Do you mean like when did I realize they were trying to help me? Yeah. Um, early on, like probably after I got out of the hospital, cause they were like, it was really annoying because they were like constantly watching me and like, are you okay? Like, do you need anything? Like they were trying to, they were trying to help me and I could tell, but I just didn't really want the help at the time. So do you think that as a, a parent that they could have done something different, um, differently to help you? Um, for, and this is from your perspective, you know, in the beginning. Do you think that they could have done something different? Um, honestly, I don't think so. I think that everything that they were doing was really helpful. Even if I didn't want the help, it was still really helpful. Yeah. That is so good to hear. Um, Stevie, you, you're able to sit here and listen to this, this uh, conversation and kind of uh, see the things that they're going through. And I, and I understand that you see some of these struggles um, in uh, some of the kids that are going through this in Palm Desert. Um, but what could you say uh, for Kiani? And I don't know if you if you guys met um, prior to this and you don't, you don't know her, but... Um, what are some of the things that you could kind of point out and say, hey, you know what? I know somebody who was going through this. This is some of the things that they took away from it. Do you see some parallels? Absolutely. I think that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of parallels um, in what some of our teens go through. Um, I think one of the biggest parallel is the disconnect that they feel with their parents and in the beginning and and not feeling comfortable, even though they might know that they're experimenting with substances or they're noticing that something's, it's just, it's a, it's a small, small but large um, connection. And once, once they enter into our program and we realize that it, it really is, um, it's a communication issue and, 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 you know, um, getting them to see that you know at the end of the day a lot of the kids their parents they they, they love their children you know and you know there's really no guidebook on how to parent you know nobody says that this is exactly how you handle all of these situations so being able to come to a program like ours and get a little bit of guidance on just tightening up some of the communication and allowing the you know everything to sort of unfold 
um, that's where I noticed a lot of the parallels and the way that she talks about how her relationship with her family was versus how it is now. It's a very common thing that we see. Well, that's awesome. Look, I know the listeners are so anxious about more. Right now, we're going to take a really, really quick break. Um, we'll be back in just a second. More with Stevie Scott and Kiani right after this. Don't go anywhere. What up, folks? Welcome back. Of course, you are sitting here listening to Talk the Talk with Mo Orr. I have some meaty, meaty stuff for you today. These are some great guests. 417 Recovery is, is uh, here with us. Stevie, Scott, and uh, an alumni of the program, um, Kiani. Of course, I do want to make sure that everyone kind of knows how to get in contact uh, with uh, 417. Of course, you can email them at uh, the team at 417recovery.com. Of course, or you can call the Orange County location 855 417 2417. And if you're out there in the uh, hot spot of uh, Palm Thank Desert, it's 844 417 I'm not going to hesitate because I, I, I want to kind of get back into this uh, right before um, break. Uh, Stevie had her hand up and uh, kind of wanted to, uh, she had a question. So I'm going to give her an opportunity to ask Kiani a question. So go ahead, Stevie. Hi, Kiani. I was just curious for you, what was the most Im impactful part of being at 417? What part of the program did you feel you guys really, you, you got the most out of? Um, the most impactful part was the parent group when the kids were with the parents. Um, probably because, for example, like if I was calling my dad out for something that he did that I didn't like or vice versa, the kids would like back you up and give you advice and then the parents would like give the other parents advice. So it kind of like, I don't know, I think it just, opened my eyes more and like same with my dad because we didn't have a good relationship but the parents giving him advice made him like think about it more what he was doing awesome. I could see how that could be very very impactful not just for you but for the parents because um, if you look at the parallels some parents they were probably going through the same thing and didn't understand what the kid was going through and, and how the kid was reaching out non-verbally, right? Because a lot of times it's, it's in your body language of uh, the stuff that you're going through and, you know, you're kind of giving them signs of, no, I'm telling you that I'm doing drugs and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, that's why I go through my kid's Snapchat. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, can we just go back for one second and, and I have a kind of a, just a question here can you take us back um, before and going back can you take us through uh, January 12th and January 13th and just kind of give our audience a little idea of, of where you were you obviously you've lost your friend there previous and kind of the you know what you were doing and what you went through to actually put yourself in harm's way 
So on January 12th, that was the day before I overdosed, I did write notes in my journal. I was just at home that day. I was just thinking about it a lot, thinking a lot about other different things. How are my, how is my family gonna feel? How is my friends gonna feel? Stuff like that. How am I gonna feel? But um, yeah, that day was just deciding like, okay, am I gonna do this? Like, how am I gonna do it? Um, and I just thought taking the Xanax was the easiest thing because that was my drug of choice anyways. But yeah, so I was home that day, didn't go out or anything. And then January 13th, I asked my mom if I could go to my friend Lauren's house, cause that's where I'd always be. And she was like, okay, that's fine. So I went there and I was thinking about it more. Like, am I gonna do it? All that. And I just decided like, okay, I'll text the guy that I get them from on Snapchat. And I texted him and I got seven of them from him. I didn't take all seven, but I just bought them because I was like, okay, well, I'll give some to my friends or whatever. And um, it was probably around, I texted my mom to like check in with her because she always wanted me to check in. So I checked in with her and I was like, hey, we're here. This is what we're gonna be doing and I'll keep you updated. And so it was probably around like seven o'clock and I was like, okay, it's time. Like, I'm just gonna take them. And during this time of like wanting to commit suicide, I just felt very alone. And I felt like I didn't have anyone, I, no one cared. That's how I felt. And I just felt there wasn't really like much of a purpose for me. So I just decided around that time that I was gonna take them and then, yeah, that was pretty much the story. And then my mom had called me like an hour later and I don't remember any of it. And, but she called me and then she found out where, cause we had went to a different place. So she found out where I was somehow and she came and picked me up and her and my dad and my little sister, they drove me to the hospital and yeah. Were you were you conscious the whole time, or were, were, I mean, Xanax is pretty powerful, um, and um, you know you take enough. It, were you were you asleep on your feet? Yeah, I don't. I was like blacked out. I don't remember anything. Mm. So you were there signs that people missed? Did you? put signs out for anybody to see um, and you know to understand you said you talked about and thought about it did you ever think about the impact that that would have on your family right if you committed suicide and decided to take your life did you think about the impact it would have on, on your family I did think about it I tried not to because I didn't, like I wanted this to happen. I wanted to follow through with it. So I tried to not make myself like feel bad, kind of. I just wanted it to happen. 
But yeah, I did think about um, the impact it would have and how much family I have and friends that really do care about me. But in the t- in the moment, it felt like nobody really. I knew that they cared because they're my family, but I didn't. I felt like nobody understood, really. Yeah. So, so if you could go back to your younger self, right? You know, and I know you're you're still young, right? Yeah. But a lot of times, experience ages people. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. if you could go back to your younger self and change the decision that you made, what would it be? Like one decision that you made to where you said, "Oh my God, I wish that I never ever did." this what would it be um I don't know because I am happy that I went through all of this so that I could grow from it I don't really know if there's anything that I would change I actually I think that's a great answer oddly enough because of something that you said after that is I was able to grow from this right so those type of things and and uh, I I can't I can't say enough that I am happy that 417 is is out there right because it gives an opportunity for parents and and kids to be able to go to somebody and get some help you know because you said you felt alone but all the while you were never alone Right with yeah, four seventeen, and with your parents and family, all those different people that love you, even friends. Um, do you think that uh, any of the friends that you had would have been willing to step in and say something to somebody if they known what they know now about what you were going to do? Do you think if, if a friend would have came to you and said something, do you think that would have changed something for you? Um. I'm not really, like if a friend had, like if I told someone about it and they gave me advice, if I would change it? Sure, or they saw signs and, um, you know, they said, oh, you went and bought seven Xanax. And I hope you're not gonna take seven Xanax. You know, do you feel like that could have helped you unburden all the pressure and anxiety and stuff that you felt about doing something like that Uh, basically i'm trying to get to is what could have changed that outcome to prevent you from um thinking about taking your own life or committing suicide what could have happened now we talked about the parents right trying to their involvement and trying to help you didn't feel that they could help but now you have these these friends maybe a friend could have helped and said something um yeah I definitely think that if one of my, someone, a close friend that I cared about, if they were to sit down with me and talk about it and like ask what's been going on and stuff like that, I feel like that would, and let me know that they're there for me, I feel like that would have kind of made me think about it more. Like, is this really what I want? But I didn't, I don't, I don't, think I was really showing that many signs besides like my drug use but I don't think that people really noticed anything 
You don't think attitude or anything changed about you, the way that you were, you know, with your friends um, changed and that they could see anything like that? Well, I was definitely sad all the time. But even before I started using drugs, my freshman year, I was still sad all the time. So I don't really think there was anything that like stood out to someone a lot like she needs help besides to my parents but my friends know kiana if, if one of your friends now were being where you're at discussed suicide is, is that something that you still see with young kids that you're talking that you're friends with do they talk about the female part of it do they talk about taking their own life yeah definitely do you have is there anything you can say to them being in this stage? I'm going to say you're a victim because I don't, I believe when you look at where you are today and back then, I, I would say you, you were a victim of your own circumstances and being where you are today would certainly change your attitude from back then. Yeah. Is it something you can help with, with helping kids? Um, well, I think that I have this analogy kind of that my mom used to always tell me and it it's really nice. So it's kind of like you start at the bottom of the mountain and to get to the top of the mountain, like to overcome everything, there's gonna be lots of climbing and lots of struggles, but throughout those struggles and all the climbing, is growth and blessings, and then eventually you'll get to the top. You won't always be at the bottom if you just keep going. Do you, do you ever give that, because I, I know you're part of the alumni program now, right? So are you able to, to talk to um, some teams and stuff that are going through the program right now and kind of interact with them? Um, yeah, I try to tell them like my story and that you know, it will pass and give them my little analogy. <laughs> yeah, but, and that's a great analogy because I have some hills behind my house and I'm still trying to get to the top. <laughs> like I'm it's, a, it's a lot of hills back there. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Scott, Stevie, kind of let, let's talk about the program. I know that um, uh, 417, does, for somebody to go through the program, do they, do they have to have insurance or... How does that work so that we can make sure that we get this information to um, the viewers and the parents out there that might have somebody that's going through some struggles? Yeah, we, majority of our clients use their insurance. If somebody doesn't have insurance, we have, we always do a sliding scale cash rate. If they don't have the means financially and they don't have insurance um, and we do an assessment, which is free and we feel like they're a good fit for the program, we do always offer a scholarship spot in our program. And if for some other reason we can't make it work with the family, um, we'll always find them the resources that they need. So we're definitely, we're a community resource and a lot of times if we're not a good fit, we know somebody who is. And so they can come to us and, and get what they need. Um, or we'll help them find what they need outside of our program. 
So, so how long does a, a child um, typically stay in, in the program? How many months, how many sessions typically do they go through? Uh, I mean, we see on average 30 sessions, which majority of our clients come three times a week. So we'll say 10 to 12 weeks. At the same time, we try to meet every kid and family where they're at and try to get them to where they want to be. Some kids come in open-minded and ready and they'll probably graduate in that 10 or 12 weeks. And some families come in and not everybody's on the same page. It does take some time for the adolescents to open up and feel comfortable and it'll extend that process a little longer. But it, it's, it's not a cookie cutter program. Um, we are really doing individualized care with each family. And so no two treatment plans look the same. It's great because I was going to ask you, is, is there any individual treatment or was it, you know, because I know we talk a lot about group and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so I want to know that. Yeah. Yeah. So what we do is, is a combination of individual therapy for the adolescent, individual family work with just the family. Um, we do groups for the kids and we do groups for the parents. And then we do a multifamily group with everybody. Um because like Kiani said, you know, she got a lot out of that multifamily group, but for somebody else, they may really get majority of input through individual work. So we kind of throw everything at them um, and we feel like that's the best way to get through them. And especially with the parents, some parents really do really good work when they hear it from other parents and some parents need to hear it in a room by themselves from the therapist. So we do a combination of everything. Amazing, amazing. And uh, and I'll say it again, they offer comprehensive, clinically-based treatment for adolescents and their families who are struggling. Um, 4117 Recovery website, uh, 417recovery.com, um, or you can email them the team at 417recovery.com. Uh, also call 855-417-2417. That's the Orange County location. Or you can reach out to Stevie at 844-417-3417 in the uh, Palm Desert um, location. Um, Keanu, back to you. I got a question for you. So, you know, if there's, what do you say to, to a kid out there who is struggling and, and feel like they don't have anyone to talk to? Uh, what do you have to say to someone like that? Um, I think definitely reach out to someone whether it's like a friend or a teacher or a parent, just let someone know what you're going through or how they can help you. Yes, reach out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's so important to reach out, you know, and as, as yeah. a parent myself, of course, I don't want to miss those things. And uh, I've tried to make myself so available um, um, to you know my children as you know it's tough it, I wouldn't want to be a high school kid right now you know listening to you and you know now we have another we have our Maggie's and we have our uh, Kiani's that are out here who have uh, gone through 417 recovery and um, and has some very uh, awesome success stories you know but we also know that there are some children out there who are still struggling so you know, that's what we're doing today on Talk to Talk. We're trying to make sure that we provide you guys with um, some resources to be able to go out and, and kind of talk 
and uh, get the help that you need. So, you know, don't don't shy away from us. Go ahead and listen to things that we have to say. Um, Tony, you had a, a question I want to say? No. Um, Kiana, it can... I would say if, if nobody has a friend, can they reach out to you and 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 maybe through social media, maybe um, you, do you, have, you have Instagram, Twitter, or you Snapchat? What's if somebody reached out to you and said, "Hey, I'm I'm Kiana, and I saw you on uh, on the talk show, and I need help, and I want to chat." Can I? How can somebody reach out to you? Um. Well, I don't really use social media, but I don't mind giving out my phone number. Now we'll, we'll we'll kind of leave that up to Scott. We can uh, we can direct them to Scott. <laughs> they could uh, we don't want to put your phone number out on that. Yeah, yeah. I would I would suggest if somebody needs help to want to reach out, reach out to Four Seventeen. We have a lot of alumni that we can put kids in contact with, and I'm sure after watching this, there'll be specific people that want to speak to Kiani, and we can help arrange that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, Kiani, so are you? Are, have you watched uh, Thirteen Reasons Why? I watched like two episodes of it, but then I heard that it gets really graphic and sad, so I didn't finish it. It does get really uh, graphic and sad. You know, I, I I just wanted to see what you thought from your perspective of a of a teen that w went through that and how um, it felt for you to sit back and watch it because for me. As an adult, it was still hard to watch it, but I, of course, I wanted to watch it to see. And then, you know, we had Maggie on the show, and she was talking about, it and I was like, "Oh my God, that's so real!" And then I'm talking to you, and I'm like, "Oh my God, it is so <laughs> real!" So that's why I kind of asked, and uh, you know, three seventeen. I mean, uh, thirteen reasons why y'all not paying me. I'm just asking because I like the show. So I just <laughs> <laughs> But it's a good show. So, yes, if you are going to watch it, watch it with your parents. Make sure you get some uh, stuff. Get some stuff signed off or something like that. So, Mo, can I ask another question? Of course, Tony. You, I, I think that this she's an incredible woman. You know, tell us, do you have any goals? If a one-year goal, a three-year goal, a five-year? What do you see yourself in 10 years? Are you going to be with, with, uh, with Scott and Stevie as a corporate partner I mean what, what do you see <laughs> well honestly maybe I'm actually graduating early um, in seven months and I'm supposed to graduate in June of 2021 but I'll be graduating in December of 2020 nice. and um, I want to study psychology and I want to be like a school counselor maybe so that's one of my that's one of my goals. So why why do you think you chose that? Um, because a lot of like I wish that I could have got help sooner and like I don't know I just feel that I need to help people that go through stuff that I've been through. I feel. Like I really want to help other people. That's great, and you have a, you have a story to tell. So of course, you know, like parents always say to their kids right now, I already know what you're going through. I've been through it. We don't know everything, but we know a whole yeah. lot. 
that's good. I think that's a good thing for you to, to do and continue to, to strive for that and push towards that and continue to go to 417 um, as an alumni and continue to help other kids and uh, struggling teams that's going through some things out there. So that's awesome. Um, Stevie, do you have you have anything that you want to, as we're about to exit, uh, anything that you want to say? Um, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think you guys pretty much covered it all. Um... It's just another great story and great example of what asking for help and getting help can do for for teenagers and their family. That's awesome, uh, Scott. Anything from from you, sir? That you oh, want? I just I just want to say thank you to Kiani for coming on today. Thank uh, you guys. And, and just kind of helping helping other people as she always does. Yes, um, Tony. I'll give you uh, one last shot to say something worthwhile. <laughs> Mo, I am spent. I mean, I, it's been an absolutely incredible hour. I do want to thank, um, I want to thank the whole family at 417. Um, for the last time we were here, this time we are here, I hope that we can provide a vehicle for, for what you're doing to help, to help kids and adolescents. Because I think when you look at Maggie, in the situation this week that what you guys are doing you're on the right path and and we're here for anybody that wants to use this platform um, to help their message get out to um, you know people like our young guests here so i want to really truly appreciate the opportunity to sit and chat with you guys um so uh, for me you know some of my last words i like to talk, number one thank you county for uh what you show is a lot of courage and a lot of strength um, to be, all, be able to come on um, at such a young age and be able to talk about uh, your past and things. Uh, sometimes people might feel a sense of embarrassment, but um, your your past is something that helps scold you or shape you into what you want, what you're going to be in the future. So the decisions that you made, um, although uh, could have harmed and hurt a lot of people. Um, I think at the end of the day, where you went from and where you are now um, says a whole lot about you as a person. So thank you for coming on, on to Talk to Talk. Anytime you, you want to come back, feel free um, to reach out to Scott and Stevie and them and say, I want to go back on um, the show um, because you have something to say and it's such a great story. So I'm inspired. Um, I'm pretty sure our viewers and uh, listeners are inspired. So thank you once again. If there's something that you want to say um, going out of the show, Kiani, feel free. Take this time and uh, feel free. Well, first, thank you guys for having me. And second, just all I can really say is just reach out. Just find someone that you trust and let them know how they can help you and let them know what you're going through. It really does make a difference. It really does. Look, uh, thank you for taking some time out to uh, listen to my annoying voice once again. I was so, <laughs> so excited about this show. Um, you know, leading up to it, I, I have so many questions in my head, and I never know which direction it's going to go because it's, of course, the guest that uh, kind of makes that happen. So um, join me next time uh, on the podcast. We'll be covering any and everything from adolescence, high school education, high school sports, and athletes. Um, I will continue to interview people that will make an impact in your lives, whether it's athletic directors, 
the Kianis of the world, the Maggies of the world, and of course some celebrities. My hope is to share my passion for education, high school extracurricular activities, and higher learning. We will cover topics that will further our educators, build our communities, and self-esteem around education and higher learning. Find me on social media anywhere on Twitter at Mo underscore or that's with two R's or on Instagram at Mo DHS Narrative. That's for Kiani too. Go ahead and follow me and I'll follow you. Make sure you subscribe and comment on any podcast app. I will leave you with this. Take some time and do something nice for someone else. In turn, someone will do something nice for you. Stay motivated. And remember, when adversity comes, look it straight in the eye and say, I'm strong, I'm loved, and I will overcome you. I gotta go. You've been watching and listening to Talk the Talk with Mo Orr for Tony, Stevie, Scott, and Kiani. I'm Mo. Until next time, I'm out. When I grow up, I wanna be a ballerina. I wanna be a doctor. When I grow up, I wanna be a chef. When I grow up, I want to be a surgeon or a basketball player. I want to be a doctor when I grow up. I want to be a Our commitment to delivering lifestyles within reach is based on a holistic view of investing. We do not invest simply in brick and mortar, but we invest in the people in our communities and we support their dreams and aspirations. One of the great things about the North Point basketball program is it provides uh, our kids an opportunity to explore their hopes and dreams. I think the greatest thing about the program is that we are developing life skills for them, um, discipline, structure, uh, respect, hard work, friendships, fun. I think in their schools, in their uh, junior highs, in their high schools, and on into college, these are all things that sports is a vehicle to teach them life skills and, and to mentor them into being um, successful people, not only in sports, but in life. Success and stability starts in the home. Avanath provides housing to very hardworking, good people who are pursuing their American dream, and we are incubating that American dream. What we are doing is trying to support those families and help provide activities and mentorship for their children. We're part of their extended family, and it's our dream to help them reach their dreams. That is indeed what Lifestyle Within Reach is all about.